Hello and welcome to Between the Notes, a motif music podcast taking place at The Parlor in Providence, Rhode Island. Today we are sitting down with local artist Daphne Lee Martin. We want to thank The Parlor for sponsoring, as well as our other sponsors, R1 Entertainment, Bolt Coffee, The Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, and Dash Bicycle. We'll get started today by enjoying a performance from our guests before we sit down with them to discuss their experiences with the local music scene. So sit back, turn up the volume, and enjoy the show. Say that home is the coolest drug And I'm too restless to ever give it up Hangs like flowers, hang the scent in air And slips through her fingers like it was never there And I'd say, tight time that I had it Uh, for everyone tuning in, I am Daphne Lee Martin. I'm from New London, Connecticut, and I'm very nervous because I've played precisely one gig since COVID ended, and I'm out of practice, um, especially when cameras are trained at me. I was told this was a podcast. <laughs> uh, I am here at the parlor, and thanks to everybody here. This is super fun. Uh, that last song was called Worth the Wait, and this one is called The Stranger. Look out at the blue skyline 
trust in things unseen He could hold my shattered glass And the veins of gold bind the cracks But it never was a two-way street played that one for anybody yet um excited to get working on that thank goodness this spider is having quite an afternoon <laughs> uh so this one i've been playing for a while it's called the little prince uh did anybody read the book the little prince when they were a kid no okay it's an excellent book but it is sad uh and it has a lot of really important life lessons in it um there are a bunch of different characters that the prince meets along the way and one of them is a fox. And the lesson that he learns with the fox uh, is that you are forever responsible for that which you have tamed. Uh, so this uh, song is sort of written from the perspective of the fox. Because at the end of the day, you're responsible for yourself. <laughs> was a favorite on the last album. It's called Don't Let the Sun Go Down. Uh, pro, pro tip, life hack. Name your song after another famous song and you get a lot more hits.
Welcome to Motif Magazine's Between the Notes. My name's Ben Shaw. I'm here today with Daphne Lee Martin at the parlor. Uh, she just played a fantastic set of music. So we're going to take a few minutes and just talk about some things in Daphne's life, music, and all that other stuff, and just learn about her between the notes. Hence the name. Sounds perfect. So first question, as always, how are you? I am great. I am playing my second show since COVID has, you know, gone away enough for us to do shows again, and I'm really excited about it. Ooh. Now, what was the, uh, this COVID thing? (laughs) (laughs) Can you explain that to me? (laughs) So it's all started. No, but. We try not to bring our traumas to this. Yes, yes, yes. This is a, this is a COVID talk for the songs. (laughs) What was the, uh, what was the only other gig you've played then? Uh, There was actually uh, in Connecticut. There's a festival called Local Palooza, and that was fun. (laughs) So I did an old sort of jazz swing band set with my old old band. Oh really? Mm -hmm. What kind of music was it? You said like Western swing, kind of. Yeah. Oh my God, that is so cool. Now, how long gave you? um, So. Beside, how long was that Western Swing Band going on for? Uh, gosh, the the album that we were pushing those songs on came out in November of 2011, so it was kind of just in that window around. Oh, okay. 2011, and by the time I made the next album was late 2012, so yeah. it, was, it was relatively short lived, but it was a blast, and we love digging those old songs out every once in a while, dusting them off. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool to have like multiple projects like that. Yeah. Now this kind of main music that you've been doing as Daphne Lee Martin. How long is that? Have How long you've been doing that sort of bunch of music? Well, I was really interested in um, pop fusion type stuff for a couple of records, uh, particularly retro pop stuff. So I did uh, the albums Moxie and Frost were kind of leaning on those lo-fi sounds and, right. you know, um, wall of sound production kind of, that kind of stuff. Then I w- sort of went into my own head with a lot of electronic stuff for, yeah. for uh, Fall on Your Sword, and then uh, decided to do a straight-down-the-middle Americana album in 2018 called Scared Fearless. And I'm going to kind of stick with that songwriter-folky vibe hmm. for the next project uh, as well. You, who would you say your kind of influences that you're going for are? Like, what is what are the sonic territory you're kind of dealing with? Yeah, well, you know, it's just been the anniversary of Joni Mitchell's Blue album, and that has been a huge one, particularly for the songs that I've been writing lately. Um, the Starter Wife is the name of that that album that's going to be coming out, and there's been a lot of a lot of writing around introspection. Mm. And Joni is masterful at at taking that mirror and holding it back at herself. And right. and I really wanted to be able to do that, so I want to echo uh, her a little bit in this, in that she was the one that sort of taught me the way to do that. Was she one of your kind of first influences when you were first thinking of starting to write music on your own? Yeah, I think so. I think that idea that poetry isn't uh, isn't music and music isn't poetry, but they're both each other also. Hmm. She was really good at the seamlessness of that. I mean, she's a visual artist, a poet, a, a singer, a, a, a multi-instrumentalist. So I like that idea of being able to incorporate a bunch of different mediums yeah. into one way of telling a story, one identity and voice for telling a story. Absolutely. I think that's that's kind of the, seems to be the way of things now, where people are reaching into a whole m- kind of multidisciplinary bag of tricks for you know kind of a music career or anything art seems to kind of feed itself so if you can kind of contain all these different multitudes Mm -hmm. i think that just kind of helps your career so when did you um when did you first get interested in music i I guess the proper thing would be to start like right at the beginning where did you (laughs) first was it guitar was it voice was it band was it 
my both of my parents are musicians. Um, my mom, uh, more seriously than my dad. My dad likes the classic rock stuff. You know, mm. give him Rush and yeah. you know <laughs> that kind of thing. Hey man, nothing but wrong with twenty one twelve. There is nothing wrong with that. But that you know, my mom listened to a lot of folk stuff. So there was a lot yeah. of Paul Simon in my house growing up. There was a lot of uh, Neil Young, uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash. There was a lot of um, you know Jackson Brown and those kinds of uh, songwriter. You know, and folky, uh, David Gates was a huge early influence. Bread uh, was yeah. great in America. Those kinds of bands really spoke to me uh, when I was a little kid. But we would listen to a lot of oldies radio. We grew up in pretty rural Ohio, so there wasn't a lot of offerings. You yeah. know, even mainstream radio, for the most part, didn't make it to us until it had been in the rest of the world for a while because of how far out we lived. Um, so we, we relied on a, a lot of oldies and that's where my love of that sort of retro pop stuff, you know, sixties, yeah. fifties, um, you know, girl bands and, and, you know, that sort of instrumentation. But, uh, we were driving in the car one day when I was eight years old and, um, the, uh, you know, going to the chapel mm-hmm. and where, you know, and mom looks over at me, eight year old me. And I'm like, gonna get married <laughs> and she's like do you know what you're doing right now i was like singing the song yeah and she's like you're singing harmony and once she realized that that was what was happening she started like purposefully singing with me getting Fostering making that. notes of songs that we both liked and yeah and encouraging me to do it and then my sister joined us as well so we ended up with a little family band by the time we were teenagers oh really while. did you yeah. ever do anything with the family band like did you did you all perform that's how we ended up in the northeast actually we got involved with uh because we were grow- we grew up in in you know southern ohio uh in appalachia and we were doing a lot of old-time music and the old-time music and the maritime music up here, those communities overlap quite a bit. So, like, Mystic Seaport's Living History Museum. Right. Uh, they actually have a program for traditional music and a festival every summer and that sort of thing. So we ended up meeting a lot of friends out here in the Northeast that were just affiliated with that trad music. Huh. And so I, I ended up here eventually. So, so you would come up here from Ohio. Mm-hmm. You all would perform this kind of, like, these old, old-timey music and you formed this communal bond with a bunch of different people and just decided like hey we know so many people up here was it was the movement up to the northeast like we make a go of the music thing or like now we just know people here uh like anything in life it was not a lin- it was in a straight path <laughs> right it's it's not a linear like a no. to b yeah no, um, so I graduated high school when I was 16. I did a couple of years of college and then dropped out and moved to New York with a guitar on my back thinking, I'm going to hey. go to New York City and I'm going to make it, <laughs> of course. Playing old-timey maritime no music. No one <laughs> makes it. Um, but I did, I think I started getting interested in writing my own material at about that time. Right. Um, you know, so I spent a little bit of time in New York, but doing trad stuff, you can't help but fall into the group of people that are really um, connected to Pete Seeger. And he yeah. was alive and, you know, kicking at the time. This was the late 90s. Um, so there was this, uh, f- the Folk Music Society of New York, also called Pinewoods, um, really welcomed me in. And I got to do a lot of performing with that group of people, a lot of different, you know, styles of traditional music. And I really wow. had a great time, but through Pete's program on the schoon- on the sloop Clearwater on the Hudson River, I started getting involved in teaching environmental science and using music as a way of teaching kids, you know, ropes courses and yeah. community building and and environmental science and that kind of thing. So I ended up sailing on different tall ships all over the country oh. for about four years. Real? Oh my! And gosh. then I landed in Connecticut. <laughs> that is so cool. That that is. Every time I see Singing one of those, sea shanties. Well, every time I see one of those tall ships, just the romanticism of it. I mean, growing up because I grew up in Rhode Island, yeah. you know, right above in the town, pretty much above Newport. So it's you know you're near like kind of the tall ship landing place of the Northeast. You know, you're just like that destination and parts of Connecticut. So it's mm-hmm. just there's that romantic wonder to that. What was that like being on those ships for so long? And you were singing the entire time? Just oh, you, know, you do everything. When you're on a boat, the boat owns you. Right. You, know? so yeah, you have to yeah. do everything. Yeah, you <laughs> are part of the thing that keeps uh, it going. Yeah, well, the thing that I wasn't able to do on boats that I wished I had been able to do uh, was was the, that sort of like, 
when you're underway, there are three watches, so there's always someone asleep because mm. there always has to be someone awake keeping an eye on everything. Um, so I do. I wasn't able to do what I do now as far as like performance or anything right. like that. There was social music and there was educational music, but I wasn't able to do this kind of a show, you know, while I was right. sailing. And I, I did miss that. I wanted to be able to go back to doing that again. Yeah, it's hard when somebody's you know trying to catch a little bit of sleep just so they can you know get up for their watch and you're like well come to the chapel yeah. yeah well and there's only about 100 feet of space that you're sharing oh, with yeah. you know six to 12 other people so it's, it, you have to be really respectful mm -hmm. in order to make it all work socially so so after you get off the boat mm -hmm. you just kind of found yourself in connecticut because that's where they were all coming in and out of and you just what was it about yeah. connecticut that kind of drove you to that was it its proximity to everything or yeah i really like the proximity to everything and i love um you know obviously that community of old time music you know i i i don't participate in it as much as i would like to uh these days and part of that is because of covid but uh part of it is because i'm pursuing the songwriter side more right. than i am the trad side but uh I, I loved it my partner had family here at that time um so it just made sense for us to land here Mm. You know, and then uh, I got uh, bored one day and you know how Zillow goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once you start looking at something on Zillow, it becomes addictive. Yes. Uh, but I ended up finding uh, the house that I have now lived in for 19 years. Wow. And I, I never felt anything quite like that. When I walked in the door, it was like the clouds parted and the angels sang. And I just knew that was where I needed to be yeah. at the time. And, and I have been there now for, for most oh, of my nice. adult life. At this no, point, that's so. great, though. I mean, having that sort of central place that you can go back to i mean especially yeah. with the kind of life that music leads a lot of people it's your you're kind of here there and everywhere it's like right. we were just talking about how you may be based in connecticut but i remember i just know you kind of from being around providence and kind mm -hmm. of hearing your name mentioned here so i we were talking earlier before the show that i mostly associate you with the kind of the providence music scene just because that's how you know i just Figure, I had no idea that you were in Connecticut. So what has Providence, what is unique about Providence and why, what do you think you found such a good space here to perform and play? Providence is one of those communities where everyone is really tight knit. You know, it's everybody helps each other out. There's so many venues. And when something closes, when one door closes, something else opens, right. you know, I've, I've had the, the wonderful wonderful luck to work closely with people like Morgan Eve Swain and John Farone in writing and producing, you know, recorded music. And in every interaction I've had with any of them has been fantastic. Chrissy is amazing in the shows that she puts on. And even we were able to work together, yeah. um, you know, pre COVID to do that Tom Waits tribute show. I've worked with, uh, you know, Steve Delmonico and a number of other artists up here. It's just an incredible community and everybody really, comes to you know comes to the game ready to play and i love that about it you know where i'm tucked away in the little quiet corner of connecticut there's not as much as vent as far as venues as far as resources yeah uh, so i do tend to find myself in places like providence and new haven more often just because there's they're bigger cities and there's more people yeah uh, but there is something really magical about the providence scene and how great everyone is to each other yeah. i kind of feel the same way because i live in newport you know, and it's, I find that there are really great spaces in Newport, but there's just not the same sort of dedication to the arts. I mean, there is a dedication to the arts in Newport. I should say that, you know, that is sort of up and coming. There is a kind of a revitalizing of the art scene down there. But up here in Providence, it just seems so ingrained in the lives, in the, in the scene up here that people are really, like you said, they're tight knit. They're really working for and with each other. And it seems like once you sort of kind of get through that that little membrane and you're kind of in, then, you know, and it's not hard to get into that membrane when you get accepted pretty easily because I mm -hmm. think people just want to make music up here. Yeah, for you know? sure. And especially with somebody with your talents of trying all these different musical styles, uh, that must have been, I mean, you might, you're kind of able to be in a few different worlds at the same time. So that, that kind of trip from, like you said, the kind of poppy, kind of like with electronic instruments, moving to Americana, what was the, what was the sort of line through that? Why, why moving to this kind of sound that you're in currently? 
the sound that I'm doing now, it, it, I mean, you know this as well as anybody, uh, coordinating a large band with lots of people in it is yeah. definitely hurting cats. You know, it, you know, it's one thing to have a community of people that like to come together and play, but trying to organize people to go on tour, trying to organize people to show up for, you know, regular recording sessions and things like that can be really challenging. And after a bunch of years of traveling with a four or five piece band, I really, it was just, it was exhausting. And you don't make a lot of money doing it. So I really started thinking about paring down and, you know, the writing followed that. Yeah. I wasn't writing for a horn section anymore. I wasn't writing for, you know, all of these different parts. On Fall on Your Sword, some of the tracks had more than 50 different instrument voices on them. And there's mm. no way to make that happen live. Not even if you're washed out and you have, like, eight laptops on stage. Yeah, with yeah. You. you can't do it. Um, so it's fun to do that stuff in the studio, but it's, you know, you can't perform those albums live. Yeah. And, you know, when you're going out and you're trying to gig and trying to tour, you want to have albums that represent what you're actually going to bring to the stage when you come. So I really mm. wanted to produce something that was going to be a lot closer to, you know, to that sound. I've been actually, I was actually thinking about this earlier because one of the things that I'm having, not trouble right now, but the same sort of conversation internally that, you know, as we sort of re-enter into these gigs and everything, I want to keep playing, but the musicians that I normally play with, either maybe they can't always meet, we can't always gig, or sometimes things come up last minute. So a lot of the times it's solo, which during the pandemic, you sort of learn to work solo anyway. But how do you, what are your kind of strategies for making the leap from, here's the album cut, like you said, for somebody who has 50 different voices on one track, how do you make the leap from doing that song on a recording to doing it as like a solo or maybe with a couple of people? I mean, mostly I would think that you're going to have to, for the foreseeable future, be solo. So how is that kind of transition from wanting to play those songs or do you just, you know, or do you want to play those songs live and you have to figure out a different arrangement or you just say like, there are certain things I can't do because they just don't make the, the leap from mm -hmm. being big and huge and orchestral to me and my guitar sure and while there are a handful of those songs particularly on that project excuse me project um the w one of the best pieces of advice i ever got from an elder stateswoman of the music world uh, a woman named heather wood she was part of the british folk revival back in the 60s in a band called uh the young tradition and she uh she also doesn't drink water because, you know, fish pee in it. So she's, <laughs> she's got a lot of funny axioms. But one of the really clever and, and really productive and helpful things that she said uh, was, uh, it's not a good song if you can't sing it a cappella. Hmm. And so that's sort of the litmus test that I've put every melody that I've ever written through. Is like, if I don't catch myself singing this in the shower, right? it probably doesn't make the album. Right. You know, it has to that the melody has to be compelling enough or the story, the lyric has to be compelling enough where if I just say it or sing it without even a guitar, it, it should still carry. It should still have, mm. it should still hold that, that power and that storytelling ability. It, otherwise it's just keep writing. Yeah. <laughs> keep going. No, I had the, I had a very similar experience when I first started. Um, when I w went to college, I went to college for music composition and my first, composition teacher was a um, pianist and composer named uh, Joe Perillo. Mm -hmm. He's he's a guy who's known around here. Great pianist, great guy, great educator. And his whole thing was when we were writing, it's like it has to come down to, I don't care how big it gets, it has to come down to melody and harmony. You know, and obviously rhythm's in there too because mm -hmm. rhythm makes up a good melody, you know, but, but it really comes down to is if your melody's good and your harmony's good when it comes to a song, that's all that matters. You know, in, in terms of the general construction of the music. Now, the words, which as you know, I mean, the words are their own kind of demon. Yeah. You know, when you're trying to figure out words to your melodies, how, do you, how are you approaching that? Do you have a, a solid, as, I mean, being that my process is just, I just assume everybody else's process is some days it's this, some days it's that. Mm -hmm. But do you have for yourself like a set kind of, I start here and I go to here, or is it just... 
How do you normally work? What's your process? I do it the wrong way around. <laughs> I, write, I write the words first, and then I shape melodies around them. Um, I'll do editing mm. as I go in order to kind of finesse things into place. But for the most part, the poetry comes first, which I am told is not how you're supposed to do it. Um, but, you know, yeah. I took a, I, I started taking the uh, Berkeley songwriting course, and it's nice to see the devices, but I don't want to end up bound too much to stress structure because yeah. I want to be able to keep my inventiveness and, and my fluidity as well. So, you know, yeah. there's there's that, yes, you should learn how it works, but don't get, you know, crippled by it. Don't be stuck in a pattern or formula and right. think that you have to write to this. You know, we, we, we have pop radio for that. We, that's covered. We don't right. have to do that. So, yeah, there's that's that's always kind of been my hesitation with those songwriting courses, too. Or just, you know, speaking about poetry, I, I read a book uh, recently that was like a poet's guide to poetry. And it was just reading, it was just talking about kind of breaking it down. It was almost like a textbook. But I wanted to know more about like what makes, because I wanted to start writing more poetry, I wanted to know what makes it tick, what makes it work. And so it's funny you say starting with that, because in the book they talk about the different iams and, you know, iambic pentameter mm -hmm. and just the kind of general flow of rhythm in certain words and talking about how you can get from, you have to really think of the rhythmic value sometimes of these words. Mm -hmm. So it makes total sense why you would start with the words because that's going to give you a lot of your motivic material already. Because if it's da, 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 you can't go da, 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 you know, you can't write a melody that does that because it just won't flow the same. So that makes, to me, that makes total sense and actually could result in more interesting songwriting because That's you're thinking, <laughs> well, you're thinking story first. Mm -hmm. and so, now, now, when you approach a song, are you trying to think of, do you like writing stories? Are you kind of metaphysical? Are you writing, um, what is your, what's kind of the voice that you like to work with when you're lyric writing? Do you try to lay it all out there? Are you, are you, do you want to reveal or do you want to kind of have a hazy picture? I'm, I, I prefer the hazy picture myself. Um, there are definitely more pointed lyrics in some of my songs, but for the most part, what I really want to do is just create a sort of a, a landscape, hmm. you know, and you can put your picnic basket down wherever you want. You know, you can sort of feel your way through and, and choose where you where you find yourself in it. I don't want to get too specific in most of the songs. I, I like the poetic nature of that, and it leaves a lot of room for the listener yeah. to interpret it in whatever way that they want. Do you hate when people say, it's like, what's your song about? I'm mean, not that you hate it, but is it like... My favorite is when they say, who's your song about? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is it about... Okay, let <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that two of the songs I performed here tonight are about people from Providence. Oh. <laughs> you can guess all you want. <laughs> Viewers, I want you to comment below. Well, who do you think they are? <laughs> what, what if somebody just like, bum, 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 like nails it? Just, I mean, would you, would you cop to that if somebody nails it? Or do you just say like, eh, maybe. Maybe. Do you, you don't like revealing that? No, not really. Good. No. I, I don't think the mystique is is powerful in and of itself. Yeah, you know, and just because something sounds like a love song does not mean that it is about a romantic relationship. Right. No, I like I like that. I think there's a um, there's a misconception with people who are outside music that you want everyone you're writing a song that you want everybody to know exactly what you're saying, mm -hmm. or that you're writing from experience. You know, or you're that. I mean, you are writing from a certain amount of experience, but you could be inhabiting a character whose life is unlike your own. Like, do you know, um, do you listen to Nick Lowe at all? A little bit, yeah. Um, I don't listen to him a lot, but there's this one song, The Beast in Me. Have you ever heard that? He, I think he wrote it for Johnny Cash. And it's this, like, incredible song. It's about the beast inside. You know, the beast in me is caged by frail and fragile bonds. Uh, restless by day and by night, rants and rages at the stars. And it's like this beautiful lyrical poem about like angst and like inner turmoil and everything. And he was asked in an interview like about that and like, is that you? And he goes, no, no, that's a, that's a character. Like I, that's not me at all. I'm a happy guy. Something, something along those lines. So do you find it, do you find, not, I'm trying to think of a better word than frustrating, but 
how do you how do you sort of get people to understand that when they if they ever ever are people ever confused or kind of hesitant to be like well come on I mean well who is it about what do you normally tell people well it's sort of it's it's kind of interesting so one of our shared favorite songwriters is Tom Waits no one even thinks to ask him if it's about him because he's a character all the time right he's always in some kind of character when he's giving an interview or anything like that I don't necessarily want to live under the hat like that (laughs) you know I don't want to exist in the form of a character at every turn but that doesn't mean that I want to reveal things about my my own personal experiences necessarily either. I mean, you know, to this day, people argue about whether Carly Simon's You're So Vain is about this guy or that guy, oh, God, or, you know, yeah. it, and it just doesn't matter. It's a great song. You're going to sing along with it when it comes on the radio, yeah. even if you've heard it a zillion times. Have you, you ever, have you ever thought about being a character or is it just like, not in like a, you know, putting on a, an outfit and like a mask, but have you ever thought about how you present yourself when you're on stage and maybe like tweaking certain things or sure that that comes in more with the uh, repartee than it does in the identity yeah that, that's a lot more about the conversation with the audience for me than it is about any kind of structure I want to put myself in I really like being a chameleon hmm. I like being able to jump around to different genres and you know if I show up in a little black cocktail dress you're gonna know which show I'm doing right yeah do you know what I mean but but today I'm wearing my Newport Folk Festival dress. Right. So this you're going to get the folkier, you know, yeah. indie, poppier kind of side of, of me. Um, and so, yeah, a little bit in terms of I want to, you know, I want to make my appearance reflect what show I'm going to be doing today. Um, but I don't want to get trapped. Yeah. I don't want to get typecast into a particular identity at all. I find, I find it's, I, that I can't even imagine how hard it would be today in just like in this general age of where we are with like uh your kind of the exposure that you put out there on the internet or you know the the kind of access that people have how you would maintain a character like weights has because i i love it i i honestly wish at times that i had done that that i had just like picked a name i had like figured out something else because then you know, you get that mystique, and then it's not you. It's a little bit separate. Then you can kind of craft the show in a certain way. But it would be so hard now. Because, like, you're going on Instagram. It's like, now I have to remember what my character's voice is and stuff. Yeah. It just And it's got to be exhausting. While yeah. it provides you a level of anonymity, it's got to also be exhausting to have to to do that. And, uh, like, I referenced David Bowie before, you yeah. know, the so many different characters uh, you know and in each one endearing and and would his career have been what even if all of the songs had been exactly the same would we know them and understand them the way that we do if he hadn't been such a chameleon if he hadn't shape-shifted so many different times and i i i I don't think there's one path forward but i prefer the shape-shifter to the sticking to one character for myself for my own art yeah what is it so when you say that you're kind of like changing in these different shows, what are you? What do you think you want to do kind of down the road? Do you think because obviously you've already moved through so many different musical languages, kind of this these different worlds. What are, what are you thinking of next? What's sort of the next territory you want to explore? Well, the the album that we're working on right now is going to be kind of another like straight down the middle Laurel Canyon vibe you know, kind of a record, a folk album. Um, I've started work writing uh, another follow-up from that. So the one we're working on now is called The Starter Wife. Mm. But I've started working on another project called The Death of Cool. And the thematic elements of those, The Starter Wife is about the sort of introspection and self-healing that I went through post-divorce. You know, that idea that just because things didn't work out doesn't mean that I can't be better it doesn't mean that the world is over. It right. means that now is time to grow. Now is time, you know, to put the seeds in the ground, water them and nurture them and be a better person, have a better life, mm. even though what I expected my life to look like will be very different. The next album after that is going to be thematically um, different. It's going to be more about that, realizing that that now new blossom that you've grown is 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 its own thing and outside judgments and outside expectations aren't part of that anymore that the person that you were and the way that the world saw you does not have to define who the next person who the next you know 
like, yeah, person that you're going to be is, you know, how you want to yeah. conduct yourself in the future. And, and that uh, once again, the only person you have really to rely on in all of that is yourself. How did you land on that sort of thematic material? Was there a certain song where you said that you've written where you said, oh, man, this is this is where I'm going next? Or you just decided the natural progression of how I want to put myself out there this is how it is. Yeah, it's more of the natural progression. It's, you know, these have been my life experiences and you can only really write what you know. Yeah. Um, so I've just really kind of, you know, delved deeply into my feelings about it and my, my attitudes about it. You know, my experience with talking with other people who've gone through similar experiences and say, you know, this is, this is what it was like for me. What was it like for you? And then, you know, developing those ideas and hopefully, you know, incorporating into those songs the wisdoms that you get from going through that process. And maybe someone hears your song down the line and they're like, oh, thank you for saying that. I thought I was the only one. Yeah. Or I can't believe you just said it that way, that's going to help me so much to, to perceive my own situation differently. So those are the sort of goals, I think, for the way that I want to be writing next. It's, it's fine for me to go through my process, but it's really important to be there for other people as well, yeah. especially when you're handling sensitive feelings and sensitive situations like a divorce, something that's really difficult and crushing. How, how hard is it for you to approach that sort of material? I mean, obviously that is your life and your life experience, so you don't want to shy away from it. That's what makes you uniquely you. And it is also an experience that so many other people have. And so sharing that experience through song is a very powerful and gracious thing to do, not only for yourself, but for other people. But how do you, how do you kind of handle that subject material when it can be very, it's fraught. Mm -hmm. It's a very fraught and, and delicate subject matter because mm -hmm. your experience is one thing your former partner's experience is another i'm sure you want to somehow balance it but at the same time you want to give your side of the story how hard is it to kind of marry that concept together like to to kind of join that your end goal in the song and not again make it so fraught it's really complicated and it's required a lot of time talking with other people, um, really fleshing out how to talk about this stuff because it is incredibly difficult and I was incredibly hurt by everything that happened and I felt silenced. Um, I think a lot of people that go through this experience, no matter what angle they come at it from, they feel silenced. Yeah. At no point have I ever wanted to write a Fiona Apple album about it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I never wanted to be this sort of the angry girl, not only because I don't want to write that material and I don't want to do that to anyone else. I also just don't want to live with the, I, I don't want, I don't want to feel those feelings in that way. So I may have anger about it. I may have frustration and there may be things I will never allow to happen again. But that doesn't mean that that's the way I want this album to sound. Mm -hmm. The way that I want this album to sound is, you know, I, I've had this insane experience and he, here's what I'm going to do with it. Right. And, and it's a lot more about growing, about accepting what parts of that were mine what what I do need to take responsibility for and you know and creating something really pretty out of the rubble yeah yeah because that's how you're going to connect with people ultimately you know anger is the pain only lasts know. so long the anger only lasts so long so you right. want to create something that's going to be beautiful and lasting right oh, that's beautiful. I, I really like that I think that's because again it's it's a very hard subject matter but anything that is that sort of delicate that is so close to your eternal emotions it's it's hard to kind of really put that in words now when you're when you're approaching when you're you have all this material you have everything together when you're recording are you doing this how is the recording process for you when it comes to this stuff is it do you just kind of get in a studio you you go for it or is it sort of piecemeal over time it's a lot of piecemeal over time so i am a producer also uh i work in logic 10 um and i have done production for in different capacities from most of my albums in, mm. s in some way or another um but what i'll tend to do when i'm writing is i'll demo things out 
And when you're able to go into, uh, you know, your own, my, in my case, my own home studio and sort of demo things out, what I might play on guitar or on piano, maybe it sounds different in a different voice. So you plug it into the software and now you've got a Rhodes. Yeah. Or now you've got a flute or now you've got a, you know, a different voice and you start playing with rhythm patterns and all of a sudden, and this has already happened with me once, I wrote a song in 5-4 that <laughs> ended up in 4-4 four, four just because of the way as you're fleshing it out, the more you work on it, the more you work on it, the more it takes its its shape and being able to lay that down on tape, if yeah. you will, digital, well, you know, right. we're in the digital age at this point, but um to be able to put put it down in front of you, something you can look at, something you can that's tangible that you can touch and change and manipulate, rather than as it's just ethereally flowing out of you, that changes the way you approach the song. And so I've really enjoyed being able to spend that time in the studio with the songs themselves before I bring them to a really yeah. good producer and say, here, here's the final product. Can you turn this into an album? So you're pretty much kind of recording everything on your own, and then you bring it to somebody and say, like, hey, I this is a lot to mix. For and sure. so they kind of mix it down. They take all your different tracks and they kind of mix it down. And when they have the nice microphones and the yeah. nice compressors, and, you so know, you and re- they have you years and years it? of experience yeah. that I don't have with every aspect of, of recording. And, you know, they're going to push me to do my best performance. And sometimes just having that extra voice that coaches you along makes all the difference in the world. You yeah. know, you're going to end up with a better product than you would if you just did it 50 times in a row in your basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And just like it to the same microphone, just like, why aren't you sounding good? It's exactly. like, it's either, it's either me or you. And I don't want to admit that it's me. That's so messing that's this up. when you bring in the heavy guns, the good yeah. producer with the good gear and, you know, and you, but but by then you've done all that preparation, you've done all the homework, you know what you're going there to do, and, yeah. and it, it's good for everybody. Yeah, I I find the home recording experience that I've I have really good experiences with it, and then I have really frustrating experiences with it because on one hand, it's I like it because it's right there, I have access to it. Okay, I can just do this, I can just bang out a couple of takes. This is great. You know, and usually when I record, I only try to do like a couple of takes because especially like vocally, there's only really going to be so much like I'm not going to do it over and over and over and over again. But it's when you go to a studio, though, it's like, boom, you don't have all the time in the world. Whereas at home, you're like, well, I can do nine different takes of this guitar part and then frustrate myself and get it and try to get it perfect. But you're not even getting anywhere close or I can just put it off till next week. Do you find that you like being able to work at home because you're at your own pace? Or is it, like, how do you, what do you prefer normally? I like both. I like being able to experiment on my own time while no one's looking or listening. I like to be able to try things out while it feels safe and comfortable and I'm in the privacy of my own space. Um, But there's also something really magical about the urgency and adrenaline that yeah. you get when you go to do it for the for real you know it's it's like practicing versus being on stage once you know once those lights are shining on you man it's it's go, it's time. go time yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's very much like that with the studio too like you could yeah you can you know you can goof around and p- play the same guitar part 50 times and you may or may not get it you yeah. know but Pretty much once you get into a studio, it's going to be one of the first three or four takes probably, and that's yeah. it, and that's what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. So it, it, But that's why it's really important to spend the time in advance gearing kind of up for it. Yeah. That way when the adrenaline is pumping, you can deliver. So. Well, as we kind of wrap up here, well, you have a bunch of different projects coming out. So how will people? how can people stay up to date on what you're doing, where you are, and all that? Uh, I've got presence on all the social medias. I'm not on TikTok yet. <laughs> I don't uh, know if I want what? to. What? You're not? I know. Oh, come on. I know. You got to get on there. Start doing the, you know, start doing the dances. Well, I got to go the... back to doing sea shanties, apparently. Well, but See, there you go. You. Oh, my God. I just realized. Yeah, you missed your shot. I did. Could have been know, TikTok famous. C- I could have, but that's okay. Uh, no, DaphneLeeMartin.com. And it's got links to everything. And you can actually listen to all the music for free right there on the website. In fact, uh, if anybody likes the songs, there's an entire page with all of the notes, the chords, the lyrics, all the lead sheets are there. If anybody ever wants to goof around and play any of the songs, that's all on the site. Um, Lists for shows and things like that, too. Awesome. 
Well, Daphne, thank you so much for joining us here at uh, Between the Notes. Really appreciate your songs, your beautiful songwriting. You're just, I mean, the voice, the guitar, the songwriting itself, the craft of it is just really great to hear. So I really appreciate you coming and taking the time with us here and Motifs Between the Notes. Thanks so much for having me. So thank you once again, everybody out there, for joining us here at the parlor for Motifs Between the Notes with Daphne Lee Martin. Just want to send a quick thank out, uh, thank you out to our sponsors, of course, the parlor here. Um, also, R1 Entertainment Center, Trinity Brew Pub, Bolt Coffee, and Dash. And other than that, thank you so much for joining us. My name's Ben Shaw. You can find more about me and my music at BenjaminShawMusic.com or at BenjaminShawMusic. And again, it's DaphneLeeMartin.com. So please go to both of those sites. Go to... You know, come to the parlor. There's plenty of shows that are happening. Look at uh, the Facebook calendar. Go to Motif to see all the different event listings. You know, make a schedule. Come out. We'd love to see you out here. So until next time, thank you very much for tuning in.